Today, if you're, if you're taking notes, you could go ahead and, and, and you could write this down, and, and, and it's, it's a very easy um, title, and, and here it is. It's titled, This is Forever. This is Forever. Write that down. And as we get into today's word, it's, um, it's interesting because you might say, well, nothing is forever, man. Why would you name, why would you call your title, This is Forever, when nothing is forever? You know, forever is a hard concept to understand. Um, Forever is a hard idea to really grasp. We are people that all we know is time, all we know is dates, age, periods, you know, so on and so forth. That's all we know. So when we come to see who this God is, He is outside of time and outside of age and outside of different periods. He, he's separated from all that, but yet He still reigns within all that. He reigns outside of time and he reigns inside of time. And um, it's just a very frustrating thing to try to teach because we're trying to teach something that we don't understand fully. We don't really grasp because I've never been able to, to journey outside of time and see what it's like. All I know is, is time. This church starts, it ends. We live, we die. But yet Christ reigns within time and outside of time. And we learn in Scripture that he is an infinite God. And Jesus makes this known to us time and time again in the scriptures. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and I'm the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And then he says, who is and who was and who is to come. Powerful verse. That he's an infinite God, that the Lord is forever. He was forever and he will be forever. He is infinite. He is eternal. He is forever God. How many of you could say amen because we worship a forever God? That's good. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, Isaiah says this, and I'm going to end with this later, but, but I want to start my introduction with Isaiah. And he says, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God? The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Look what he says. He says, he neither, he neither faints nor is weary and his understanding is unsearchable. One translation says this, do you know anything? I love that because that's the way I would have written it. Do you know anything? Haven't you been listening that God doesn't come and go? God lasts He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath, and he knows everything inside and out. Church, he's a forever God. Forever God. His word is a forever word. In Matthew 24, 35, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. My words will last forever. When I think about forever, it reminds me of something. And if you had any kind of childhood, um, or maybe you're an adult and you enjoyed this childhood memory with me, I think you, you'll get a kick out of this. Here it is. Immortalized the cops how long he had to keep the peace chained up like a slave. He said until forever. 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 Right. There are some of you in here, as soon as I mentioned forever, you were already thinking about the Sandlot, and in your head, you were already saying, forever, forever. If you've never seen that movie, I encourage you as your um, pastor, 
to get the spiritual meaning behind that movie. It'll make you a better man of God and woman of God if you go home today and rent the set. It's not. I'm just joking. Don't get, don't get all religious on me. But go rent the movie. It's a classic forever. And if, if we were to say, well, Lord, your kingdom and your word and you, he'll look at us and say, it's forever. He will tell you that in our faces. It's forever. And the beauty behind him being forever is that we are his people. We are his church. And in that truth, we are forever. We are a forever people. Man, can you just imagine that one day you're going to pass away here on earth, but at that moment you actually live for, <laughs> forever. Yeah. That's unreal to some of us. But the church and what we do and what we say and how we live, I need you to understand this. We're not just lying around here to, to see what happens. And we're not just playing around. These things that we are doing, these things that we believe in, they're infinite things. They're eternal things. They're stuff. They're things that last forever. And I'm a big believer of that. See, I don't want to get so caught up in celebrating eight years, but yet never finishing the race. Because really, who cares about eight years if you never finish the race? And I don't want to get so caught up in that because I believe and I hope that you believe because we should believe this as a people, as a church, that we don't live for this moment at all, but we live for another that is to come. How many of you believe in that and say amen? That we are physically perishing, but we are eternally alive. My God, I could just rejoice in that. Because I have gray hairs now. But that's all that's reminding me of is that, oh yeah, that's to show you that you're actually perishing, but you're going to live eternally. Yeah, forever. Second Peter is the, a book that I, I want to get into, and I'm going to go verse by verse and study a passage with you. And if you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Peter chapter 3. I don't want to delay anymore, but as we look at this word forever and we look at this title, this is forever, the text that I want to use is in 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to go through the whole chapter together as a church. And as you turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, towards the end of the Bible, it's a, it's a book that was written by Peter, and Peter was probably in Rome. And it was not too long before his martyrdom in which he wrote this book. And most likely it was written during the time of heavy persecution uh, by, by Rome. And perhaps during the persecution of, if you've ever had a history class and know anything of him, uh, of Nero. Uh, one of the most evilest men that ever lived on this planet. And Peter most likely wrote this book and this chapter that we're going to study today in prison waiting for his execution Moments away from his execution, under the reign of Nero and the persecution of Rome. And he writes words that you could tell are words of a dying man. If, if you're going to say, well, what are the last words that you would want to tell people that you love before you die? It's almost like Peter said, give me a pen and give me a paper. I definitely have some last words that I want to share to the church. And that's what we're going to study today in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. And we're going to start off in verse 1. And just join with me as we take a little field trip through the scripture of, of, of 2 Peter. 
In chapter 3, verse 1, he says this. He says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you, verse 2, may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. When you look at verse 1 and 2, here is Peter writing. And Peter is basically, what he's doing here, he is basically reminding the church. He is refreshing their memory. And I don't know if you catch this or not, but, but he's refreshing their memory of what the prophet said a long time ago. And not just is he reminding them of that, but of something that they predicted and also of the word of God that was handed down by him and by the other apostles. So I want to share with you, he says, something that was predicted a long time ago. Something that was spoken about a long time ago. And something that I've shared with you time and time again, as long as well as the other apostles like Paul. Let's keep reading. In verse 3, he says this. So what is this prediction? What, what is this reminder, Peter? Tell us, and in verse 3, he says, Knowing this first. That scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fall asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Man, that's good. He's basically saying there's going to be people. And they'll say things like, well, what happened? Come on, all of us have been there. I've been in so many conversations like this. I thought Jesus was coming again. What happened to your Jesus? I thought he was coming. Everything is the same since the beginning of time. Nothing has changed. I thought Jesus was coming. But he's reminding the church of his day, and he's reminding us, the church, as we read this today, that yes, many will come and many will mock and many, as they mock, they will live out their lives and walk in a manner that is according to their very own lust. They will live a lifestyle according to their very own sinful desires. And they will challenge us. And they will question us, the church. And listen, church, they are challenging us every day. And they are questioning us and our faith every day. And if you don't recognize that, then you're living under a rock. But they are challenging our faith and they are questioning it. But this is what Peter is saying, that we must remember. Everyone say remember. Yeah, what must we remember? What? What was spoken long ago. We must remember this. What was spoken by the prophets and what the apostles wrote to us. That He writes that we must believe in this. That we must believe in the word now more than ever. There's no time to, to take this book and then ignore it like if it's not on our shelf. This is not the time to say, well, I struggle with reading. It's not the time to do that. This is not the time to say, well, I really don't want to, you know, go to, go to midweek and, and get into a Bible study with the church. That's, this is not the time. We need the Word of God, and we need to be instructed in the Word of God, and we need to live in the Word of God, and we need to teach the true Word of God now more than ever. And that's what he's sharing, and that's what he's saying. And you need to believe this, because things are happening, church, he's telling us. And things will happen, and the Lord will return. And we live and we wait for the kingdom that is to come. Listen to what I'm telling you. We wait and we live 
for the kingdom that lasts forever. Forever. Because eight years is what we celebrate today. But eight years is just a moment. But what's to come? Now that is forever. This is forever. It's forever. Forever. We live for the infinite. We live for the eternal. Because these are the things that actually last forever. Your clothes get eaten by moth and our bodies get eaten by all kinds of insects. But there's one thing that never gets destroyed. Eternity is forever. Come on, if you are an eternal creation right now and you're going to live for all eternity, you should give some praise to the Lord because we never die. Man, man, man. As we continue through the passage in verses 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, 5 through 9, Peter goes on. And he goes on to tell us that there are individuals that, man, they forgot. They just forgot they, that they're ignorant of the fact that the power of God's word is what brought everything into existence. And Peter goes on a rant about them. He's like, dude, even Paul spoke about them, and they twisted Paul's words around. I love, when, I love when I preach something, I get a text message later or, or I get a phone call later and they'll be like, did you really mean this or that? And I'm like, whoa, that, that, that was never even mentioned in the message. But, but people would just grab different ideas. And, and Peter says, Paul spoke of something and what, they, what he even warned people about. People just twisted it and did whatever they wanted to do with Paul's words. And he warns them, these people are ignorant of the fact that the power of God's word, it brought everything into existence. And then he tells the church, but don't forget this one thing. That with the Lord, he starts to describe that, that one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day, and, and many are mocking our faith, and many are saying, I thought your king was coming, and, and many are twisting the word of God, and he's, he's encouraging the church. He's, he's screaming out to the church before he dies. Church, don't ever think for once that God is late. It's so good. Don't ever think for once that God forgot. Because God is not late, nor is he slacking, nor is he slow in showing up. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 tells us that he is being patient for our sake. That he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. So the Lord is like, I'm slowing the process of my coming because I long for others to repent and be saved. It's for your better. It's for on your behalf that I'm slowing down. Because if I come now, many will perish and go to hell. That's awesome. That's good. I was sharing a story on Wednesday with a brother in the church. Because we have a sister that her, she's not here today. But that her father is struggling with, with heart issues and all that. And um, they're fighting for his life. And it's, it's, it's just a... It's a hard thing, which is the reason why the family's not here. They're struggling with that. And I said, man, it's crazy because I remember my dad. And then I asked my father who was standing close by. I said, when did you have that surgery? And he said, about 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, I got a phone call and, and I had to rush, leave work and I had to rush to the hospital because my dad had to have an emergency surgery because he had a five bypass surgery. Five arteries were blocked. The doctor looked at him and says, I'm scared to, 
wait on you. I need to do this first thing in the morning. Call everyone you love. Tell them to come here because I'm scared that you're not going to make it another day. If I let you do this, you're going to die. And my dad wasn't a believer then. My, dad's, my dad was not with the Lord then. And, and if he would have died then on that table or before then, it would have been scary to know where his soul um, would have gone and where he would be at right now. But, but, but I love this because what we looked as an obstruction, what we looked as a problem, what we looked as a heartache, what we looked as a heart attack, God said, no, I'm actually saving his soul. You see, sometimes God just has to do things and God has to just wait up and God does not work with our plans and in our ways and with our agenda all because he's still drawing men to salvation and to repentance. And, and Peter is trying to encourage the church in this truth right here. And he's trying to, re- to remind them of this in verse 9. Man, he's being patient for our sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, that we should all come to repentance. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of 1 Timothy 2.4. Paul says to Timothy, he says, I desire that, he, that Jesus desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. That's an awesome scripture. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. And I'm going to pause here in verse 9 because I believe verse 9 is so important because this teaches us something here at New Life. And what this teaches us as a church is this, that if we are granted eight more years, eight more years are given to us, that we together and individually in our own personal lives, that we will not take our time for granted, but that we would be burdened with the same heart of God. And I really hope you understood that. So happy eight years of ministry to us. Amen. Eat some cake on the way out. But, amen. But, shame on us if in going forward, if this is not what's burning within us. What? This. A desire that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Shame on the next eight years if we forget the main thing And the main thing is, people need Jesus. People need Jesus. Can you imagine having a biblical mindset every single day of your life? How awesome that would be? Do it. You're supposed to. Imagine having this biblical mindset that we celebrate eight years, but because we celebrate that the Lord's return has not occurred because there are some that still need to be saved. How weird would that be? Eight years and we sing happy birthday and we celebrate, but the reason why we celebrate is because God hasn't shown up because there's still people that need to be saved and we're, we're excited because people still need to be saved. Imagine having that mindset every single day. The impact we'd have in this world, the impact we'd have on friends and family. So church, as I encourage you in the eight-year anniversary and our eight years of existence here in Hylia Gardens, All I can tell you is this, that we have work to do. We have work to do. The stuff that we're talking about, it's about eternal things. These things that we're speaking of, they're things that last forever. I'm talking about souls in eternity. This is forever. What you and I do here on a Sunday, when we sing, when we preach, when we fellowship, it's stuff that it's actually last forever. This right here is forever. Because we don't live for this. While living here, we live for a kingdom that never ends. This is forever. That's our lives. That's our lives. Every second 
with my family, every second with my son, every second with the church, every second with a friend, I need to remember this is forever. A soul is on the line. A truth is on the line. A false is on the line. We need to destroy things and we need to encourage things. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 10 with me as we read. It says this. It says, but the day of the Lord will come and it will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with the great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat both in the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. See, I love this because here is the reminder. Guys, here is the prediction. You guessed, have you guessed it yet? The prediction is the Lord is coming. The prophet spoke it some 600 years before Jesus ever came. And they're still speaking it today through the scriptures. And in verse 10, we read that when Christ returns, it's going to be sudden. It will be sudden without wavering. It's going to be like a strike of a thief. All things, it says here in the scriptures, will pass away. The Bible says it will be burned up. One translation says it will be dissolved. And every person and all of their works on earth will be exposed. And since we know this truth in verse 10, it only leads us to the next verse, verse 11. Everyone look at this with me. Because we know the day of the Lord is at hand, because we know the day of the Lord will come like a thief, because we know that it will be sudden like a strike of a thief, then verse 11 says, therefore... Because you know that, therefore, everyone say therefore. therefore, right, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be, but in holy conduct and in godliness? Jesus is coming, say that, right, so be holy. <laughs> yeah, thank you for saying that. Yes, Jesus is coming, so live godly. Jesus is coming. Be Guys, be careful what you say around people. Be careful how you live around people. Be careful how you guard your heart and how you don't guard it. Why? Because every day you walk out of your house, there is a soul that is looking at your life. Hey, this is forever. Man, happy eight years. This is good. Because, because when we look at this truth, Christ is coming. So, so, so live godly. Live holy. Stop eating junk. There's no time to waste. I can't play around with this stuff. I, I can't just juggle this stuff. And just come over here every Sunday and just make you feel good without telling you the truth. Jesus is coming. So, so live holy and be godly. I have to tell you that. As your brother. I have to tell you that. And because we know this, that we as God's people, let's keep reading. We read verse 10. We read verse 11. All these things will be burnt up. So we live holy and godly. And look at verse 12. And we're looking for, man, hasten to the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Look at verse 13. But nevertheless, we... That's good. It's a good sign when he says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, this is good. We look for a new heavens. We look for a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Amen. That we as God's people are to live in holiness and in godliness. That we avoid foolishness and we avoid the punishment that is to come. And to every person that is here today, under the sound of my voice, the second coming 
should be a motivation to live a holy life. Another eight years of what? Not playing games. Did you see me juggle? That trick. The next eight years? Eight years of holiness. Eight years of godliness. Saving one at a time. Doing what we can. Being strong. Being faithful. Here's the key word. Persevering. Because this is forever. I can't mess around with these things. We daily look forward, it says here. Peter says to the day of the Lord. What does he say? That we eagerly await for its arrival. We live today and we serve today and we breathe today, worship today, celebrate today for that which is forever. Isn't that crazy saying that? Everything we do today is for what lasts forever. For a world that Peter says is filled with God's righteousness because this is forever. I told you that everything will pass away. Well, I didn't. Scripture told us that everything will pass away and be burned up. But then we read here in these verses 10 through 13 that there's a new heaven. Believer, listen, and there is a new earth that, yes, today is perishing. But don't be scared and don't be nervous. Instead, Peter is trying to help us understand something. He's like, be excited. Be encouraged. Celebrate. Because there is a forever. There is a forever heaven. There is a forever earth. There is a forever Jerusalem. Church, there is a forever glory. We rejoice and we celebrate in that truth. And I want to make sure that you guys get this because before I end, if you don't understand this truth that Peter is, is walking us through, that what we do today is not literally for today, not even for tomorrow. Our relationships today speak of a greater day that is forever. How we father and how we love. That's why we don't have time to hate, church. I don't have time to hate you. So if you catch me hating someone, you tell me that I'm, that I'm hating someone. I don't have time to talk about you because I do that very well. I don't have time to, to look at the next person and see what I can find bad about them. We don't have time for foolishness. Why? Because when we're living here, we're living for things that are forever. We need to get our lives right because Christ is coming. And that motivates us to live holy, to live godly. As I get ready to end, I want to end with an encouragement by Peter as he continues to read in verse 14 and on as he writes. He says this. He says, therefore, beloved, you look forward. Everyone say, look forward. I love that he says look forward because looking back never got anyone anywhere. Lot's wife looked back, was not good. Jesus says, hey, if you look back and your hand is on the plow, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Not good. Nowhere in scripture is looking back ever good. If you're sitting here today and you're still looking back, guys, I don't know how else to tell you this, but with all love, it's not going to take you anywhere good. Looking back, you're not, you won't find it biblically. Scripture, look forward, always. Jesus told Lot, make sure your wife doesn't, make sure no one looks back. They look back, destroyed. Jesus comes in in the New Testament and confirms that. Don't ever look back. Here I am, 2,000 plus years later, and I'm telling you today what Peter says. Peter says what? Look forward. Well, look forward to what? What does your Bible say? Look forward to these things. You guess what things he's going to talk about? Yeah, things that last forever. You look forward. Don't look back. Don't look around. Peter's a great example, right? 
He was looking forward. Everything was good. Homeboy was walking on water. Peter started to look other places. He started to sink. Guys, looking around never gets you anywhere. Looking back will never cause you to prosper. If you look forward, that's the way of success. Looking forward. Look forward to these things, he says. Look what he says next. You be diligent. And you be found by him in peace. Without spot, church, without what? Without blemish. Look forward to these things. So good. I'm so encouraged by this word. Be diligent. Be steadfast. You know what Peter's saying? Don't waver. You don't have time to waver. What does he say next? But be found by him in peace. Make every effort to be found living peaceful, living peaceful lives. And live without spot. Live pure. Live blameless. Don't serve God and serve sin. Don't serve God and serve world. Don't serve God and serve money. Don't serve God and other idols. You live without spot. You live blameless. You live pure before this crooked and perverse generation. Why? Why, Pastor Ego? Because this is forever. Without spot, pure and blameless. But that's hard. I know. That's why we need each other. That's why you need to come on Wednesdays. I don't know why you're not coming on Wednesdays. You need to come on Wednesdays. We need each other. I need to pray with you. You need to pray with me. You need to can- start canceling plans. I'm going to talk to you as your pastor. You need to start canceling plans on Wednesdays. And come pray. Come cry with us. Come scream with us. Jesus, we don't know what to do. I don't know. I'm going to pay my next bill. Jesus, I don't know what I'm going to do. What does the word of God say? Look for the brother next to you. Come on, quote a scripture. I need the word of God today. We need that. We can't, we can't fool around. We can't mess around. This stuff is forever, man. This stuff is forever. Verse 17 says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away from the error of the wicked, because there's wicked men that twist scriptures. There's wicked men that they present to you this image that looks godly, but in the end it's vain. I've seen that. Oh, there's an apple in front of you. And it's polished. And it's red. And my God, does it look delicious. You bite into it. There's worms inside. It's rotten. There's no form of godliness. The outside had a form of godliness. But the inside... Be careful with wicked men. Careful with wicked people. Beware of these things. Don't... Don't be led away from the error of the wicked because they're going to twist scripture. They're going to blow smoke your way. But you, you're different, church. You, you, you know this. You're steadfast. You, You stay away from these things. Look at verse 18. This is what you do. Verse 18, he says, but you grow. You don't stay put. You don't follow man's fables. You don't go where everyone else is going. You're not led astray like everyone else. You're different than everyone else because you live for something different. 
You're so, you believe in something that is forever. Verse 18, this is what you do, church. You grow. What do I grow in? Regal, tell me, what do I grow in? And Peter says, you grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to him be the glory, not to man, not to me, not to her, not to him, not to them. Glory to him be the glory both now, guess what it says next, and forever. All the glory is God's. Paint a pretty picture around me, but it's ugly inside. The glory is God's. The glory of our lives is God's. The glory of our love is about God. The glory of our servanthood is about God. The glory of our commitment is about God. Hey, we just tithed. The glory of our tithing is about God. The glory of our preaching is about tithes. The glory of our worship is about, is about God. The glory of everything that we do is about God. It's all about God. We're going to last another eight years. You want to know how you last another eight years? When it's not about man, but it's about the glory of God upon man. That's how we make it. That's how you succeed. You succeed in Christ. You succeed in God. You look forward. You be steadfast. You be diligent. And you grow in the grace and in the knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ. You grow. Grow. You be strong in the scriptures. We're not led away with the error of the wicked. But we grow. We mature. We do away with stupid things because stupid things don't need our time. Is this stuff about eternity? No. Deal with it. Serious. Is this stuff about, stuff about forever? No. Then I don't want to hear it. I don't got time to mess around. If we're going to talk about something, let's talk about things that are about forever. Because this stuff is forever. 2 Timothy 2.15 He repeats or Peter repeats what Paul wrote and he says, do your best. Do your best. I love that. I love that he says, do your best. Because you know what that's telling me? That I'm not perfect. But shoot, at least I did my best. Because I could sit there and I could complain and I could find faults in everyone else and never look at the mirror and find my own fault. But man, if I could just stand up and at least I'd said, man, at least I tried my best. I did my best. Do your best to present yourself to God. As one who is approved, church, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Look at this. Rightly handling the word of truth. Come on, start doing your best to wake up a little bit earlier. I, start doing your best. You know, I, I, feel like the, I feel like the church needs to do more Bible studies. Well, do your best to show up. Because we do them. The moms have one on Saturday. The women's have one once a week. The men have once a month. The men have one. And then we do a midweek. Do your best. Do your best to grow. Do your best to mature. Eight years, do your best in the next eight. Do your best in your parenthood. Do your best in your marriage. When you go to work in the morning, do your best at work. When you serve God, it's in everything that we do. Do your best in it. But man, don't, don't go on forgetting the most important things, the things that are forever. Because I opened up that He is a God that is forever and His Word is forever. 
I need to make sure that I don't... I don't waste too much time on things that just perish away eventually. But that if I'm going to spend time, I, I better make sure I understand the things that actually last forever. So I got to do my best in this stuff. Because to some people, it just looks like ink on paper. But to me today, through the scripture reading, I've, I've learned that, no, this is not ink on paper. These are pages that have a breath. Pages that have a heartbeat. Pages that are living and powerful. It's a sword with two sides on it. Oh, it's cutting, it's piercing, and it's blessing and encouraging. And I must do my best to present myself to the Lord. And I must be a worker that no need, that does not need to be ashamed. And my, I must rightly handle the word of God, his truth, every day of my life. I must do my best. Why? Why? Because this is forever. How can I not do my best? Verse 18. Be encouraged. It's the last verse of the chapter. So you know we're ending now, but watch this. He says, but grow. I love how one study Bible puts it. One study Bible says, cultivate. Cultivate stability through Christ. Cultivate stability through Christian growth. Especially growing in God's grace, which is his unmerited favor. <clears throat> growing in his knowledge. So what do I do now? What do we do as a church now? We celebrate eight years. Now what happens tomorrow? Nothing. Here it is. We continue to be diligent. We continue to be steadfast. We continue to grow because this is forever. I opened up with Isaiah chapter 40 verse, verse 28. If you could stand with me. And this is the scripture that I read. I said, do you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. Isaiah says God lasts. He's, he's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. He, he knows everything inside and out. Have you not heard? But you know I stopped at verse 28. You know that, right? I stopped there for a reason. Because you know what he says next? In verse 29, in verse 30, and in verse 31. Watch this. good he energizes he energizes those who get tired he gives fresh strength to dropouts for even young people tire and drop out and young folk in their prime stumble and fall but those who wait upon the Lord they get fresh strength and they spread their wings and they soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. And maybe you're here. And today, you're like, Pastor, this word was for me. It's about the things that are forever. But I don't find strength. And I don't know what else to do. And I don't know where else to go. And I don't know where else to run. And all I tell you today is, well, I'll tell you exactly what Isaiah tells us. 
And Isaiah says, or to the weak, if you're weak today. And if you have no might, he says he increases your strength. Even the youth faint and are weary. Even young men utterly fall. So my advice to you today, if you're weak, as we celebrate, it's this. Wait on the Lord because you will renew your strength and you will mount up with wings like eagles and you will run and you will not be weary. You will walk and you will not faint. God will continue to show that he is faithful. That's it. That's it. This is what we're going to do. Let's worship him. As the cake is being cut in the back, let's worship. But if you need prayer, because I believe this word was an encouragement to the whole church. It's my, it's my push to you guys. It's, it's hey, eight years. Come on, another eight now. This is forever. But if that's you with how I just ended, and you're like, I'm weary. I'm faint-hearted. I'm weak. I need to mount up on eagle's wings. I, I need strength today from the Lord. I, I just feel tired. If that's you, I'm going to tell you, don't even think about it. Don't even look around. We, we haven't had a car in a long time. We haven't prayed for each other in a long time. But if that's you, I want you just to run up here, get on your knees, and cry out to God and say, God, give me strength. God, give me endurance. God, let me persevere. God, I want to last because this stuff is forever. If you need prayer, don't even think about the person next to you. Don't even worry about what's around you. I want you just to get up here and let's pray for each other. Let's seek the Lord and let's worship Him together. So church, if this was your encouragement and the Lord has blessed you today, go ahead and worship Him right now where you're at. And let's sing this song. But if you need prayer, come. Some of the leaders, come up and pray. Pray for some of them. Hallelujah. When those sins arise, my soul will rest in your grace. For I am yours. And you are mine. Oh.